So, hello everyone, welcome to Bonus Podcast. I'm the host Donatos Urbanos and I'm joined by my colleague, co-host Ritis Vishnauskas. Hello Ritis, we're saying hi to you, to everybody uh, from Cologne. We have a day off, let's say theoretically, practically a day off because teams are not playing in Cologne on Monday, but it's hard to call it a day off because Ritis was here in the arena to do his stuff from nine in the morning. It's, it's around 12. Uh, uh, o'clock uh, here at the moment we're uh, recording this podcast and there's still a lot of job to do but anyways it's I mean before making this podcast uh, we were thinking about some potential topics from other groups to cover you know the entire Eurobasket but I mean after that after the discussion we had there was so much happening that now it's hard to pick things which we must to address and to discuss because that's supposed to be a historical night uh, with some best basketball experience so far, incredible games, Germany, Lithuania, then Bosnia beating Slovenia. And yesterday was the first day in, in which two games went to double overtime in the Eurobasket history. So it, it's supposed to be some huge night. And then this Georgia-Turkey thing happened, not only on the floor, but mainly in the locker room of Turkish national team. Then this crazy uh, situation with... Uh, referee, uh, referee is missing a free throw uh, to call for Lithuanians over the technical foul Gordon Herb- Herbert got, and then trying to, you know, put Lithuanians on the free throw line in the end of the regulation because they kind of remembered that oh, reminded that oh, we have to, uh, we missed that uh, call. So a lot of crazy things happening, but let's start probably with things in in Ger- uh, Georgia. Right, I mean, it depends w- how you want to start because uh, I think I, it was bigger because you know it. I don't remember the last time when some national team threatened to leave the Eurobasket if mm, FIBA won't show the footage of the locker room where three players reportedly or at least Turkish representatives assaulted Turkish national team uh, guard for Kan Korkmaz and the assistant coach physio coach. Uh, I think, and we're talking about three big names. It's Toko Shengelia, surprisingly, because he's injured and he has huge problems with his shoulder, right? Uh, then Goga Bitadze and uh, Sanadze was also there reportedly attacking Korkmaz. It's crazy. It's just crazy. I don't know. I mean, we're far away from Tbilisi. We're, mm. we're here in Cologne and Group B is, is just as crazy as it gets uh, after Bosnia and Herzegovina one against Slovenia, the Balkan derby, you could say. Things are really messed up. And when we're watching those other groups, uh, we're so jealous, like from Lithuanian perspective, how easy it is to just qualify for the knockout stage because you just need to beat one or two teams and, and you're in. And and Group A, for example, at the moment, Belgium or Montenegro, they have a legit legitimate chance to be the leaders of the group because Belgium beat Spain, which was kind of an underrated thing from yesterday because everything else seemed much bigger. But Belgium winning against Spain, I think for 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 Belgian team is something amazing, probably the biggest win of their basketball history so yeah. far. Anyways, but <clears throat> getting back to the topic about Turkey and Georgia. By the way, just one, yeah. one thing. I wonder how many teams of this group, I mean, of the group of Spain, Turkey, and, and Belgium will advance to the quarterfinals. It could easily be that all four 
group uh, death of group uh, teams will be them in the next stage. Yeah, I mean it's it's group of death for a reason because Bosnia and Herzegovina all of a sudden they're not the fifth team mm. right now. They're just one win away from clinching the, the the playoffs and Lithuania would be out. It's out of our hands right now. Yeah. We 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 have it's to depend on, on France and France is not playing very good basketball. If, for example, yesterday against Hungary, they barely won the game, and Vojvoda was celebrating his birthday yesterday, and uh, I saw him hitting even more difficult shots. So if that three pointer would go in, yeah, that was a good shot. Maybe Hungary would stun everybody mm. by beating France, but in the end, uh, France got their second victory. So yeah, Turkey, Georgia. I don't really have any words, right? Like how how can this happen and some things are obviously again is responsibility of FIBA. I'm talking about, for example, those 22 seconds that disappeared from the game while Korkmaz was fighting with the opponents. The clock was running, and nobody noticed that, and like 22 seconds gone. I was even thinking about making a ranking of the most. Most terrible things most ridiculous, ridiculous things that happened most ridiculous not on, only yesterday but just in that particular game in Tbilisi I mean I couldn't see the full game because I was busy with our our stuff here in in Lanxas Arena but yeah we've read the comments we saw the reactions we know how the, the Turkish national team yeah. reacted like you said they're threatening to leave the Eurobasket if they don't get that camera footage and and they're super confident i mean that they were right and that georgian national team players will be punished i don't have a take on that because mm. i don't know how things escalated what was said okay what I, was done after. i can give you some let's say inside which is coming more from turkish side because uh, some turkish representatives uh, including omer onan for example from the turkish basketball federation they provided their own view of the situation. I also have uh, sources who are bringing the information from more of a Turkish side. We didn't hear yet anything from, from Georgians. But the main idea is that the, that particular fight between Korkmaz and Sanadze was not a big deal. I mean, there were no punches, nothing that bad. Okay, the both players were rejected, but it wasn't that bad. From what I understood and from the what what's the general feel, feeling in Turkish uh, camp is that um, after some foul call, Sanadze made a okay foul uh, against Korkmaz when he tried to dunk the ball. And at least Turkish, there's a feeling in Turkish camp that Korkman was called as something like a probably we can curse on our podcast. It's not that bad, you know. It's something like a fucking Turkish pussy or something like that. At least that's the you know, mm, message which is coming from, from that camp. And of course, Korkmaz got mad. So he wanted to say something of that, you know, that view when they just, you know, put their heads to each other was, was epic. Uh, and uh, then the thing was that Korkmaz kind of invited Sonadze to go outside, you know, to, uh, let's say... Talk. To, to, to have some talk about what happened, some men's talk. So that's what Sanadze did. The problem is that he also brought, like, you know, uh, like we have some situations in street fights, in school fights. He just brought two friends, big friends. We usually, we usually go for centers, not guards, uh, to, to, to having a fight. So 
Hitukshen Gelia and Bitadze. And from what, what I heard, thank God that there was this physio uh, coach who is six and nine, uh, who helped Korkmaz at least um, to, let's say, avoid as many punches as it, as it was possible. Because from what I've heard, he has blue eye right now, not Korkmaz, but this uh, physio coach. And some punches were thrown. At least that's what is uh, told. We're very interesting to see this uh, footage. But yeah, Korkmaz was kind of, you know, beaten. He defended himself and the whole situation was was really bad. But we just didn't know nothing about that until the game uh, finished. And then we saw all these Turkish representatives coming uh, on the record and saying what had happened. And now they're waiting for this footage. Uh, it's just terrible. I mean, in terms of safety, of player safety, I cannot imagine how in such a heated situation you cannot, let's say, take care of the security. I mean, just try to, you know, uh, split both players, you know, uh, to have him some, some, somehow avoid each other in near the locker rooms. It just... Look, it's, it's, just it's very simple. If an NBA player is ejected from an NBA game, he's led to the locker room like by free, free guards. Yeah free officers or how do you call them security guards probably so that's it free big bodies leading the player to the locker room so that he wouldn't get in a fight with with the fans with some other players or coaches or whatever the conflict is at, at that moment so in this case from what i understand they were on their own just going there there the were tunnel. some reports about security guys, but it felt like even that they got kind of involved and didn't help Korkmaz well, and Turkish I, I wouldn't representatives want to at all. Be a security guard that's facing Shengelia, even if, when he's injured and it's, he's it's just one-handed. It's a yeah. tough task. I think for for Toko, one hand is more than enough to do some damage. But uh, let's wait and see how this escalates further. Mm. Let's wait and see. Uh, how the Turkish um, Basketball Federation and the team reacts to everything that's going to happen today because today is a day off and tomorrow they, they are supposed to play a game. What would be the right punishment in your eyes? How would you act if... Uh, if I don't know. Well, I, I've heard everything from just one side. Mm. Some people need to make decisions based on, on real evidence. And which is the footage. So, if if everything is as bad as it as it sounds right now, the Georgian team should get a huge punishment, in my opinion. And and we're talking about financial fine. Yeah. We're talking about players being disqualified from the tournament. Yeah. If it's Batadze, an active player, for example, involved, and he's throwing punches in in, in, the, in the tunnel, mm -hmm. Sanadze as well, they should be disqualified from the tournament. But again, this is just my Mm. opinion based on what i've yeah. heard that's why we are waiting for we this need footage. to wait and about turkey i cannot really imagine the at general atmosphere inside that, the team right now how to just focus on basketball um if it's such a hostile environment you were facing yesterday and you have a game tomorrow which means you have a practice today and probably some uh some analysis in the video room you have to prepare for your next next opponent this just sounds really crazy and actually Turkey is struggling. Uh, they're not playing good basketball. 
Uh, Maybe that's why they're threatening to leave the Eurobasket, but because they understand that they're not in a good <laughs> position to win the medal. I mean, it could have been 3-0. They could have won that double overtime thriller. But even at 2-1 right now, they have two wins and one loss, which puts them in a decent position because Spain also lost to Belgium and Turkey should play Belgium tomorrow. But the quality of their basketball is really disappointing. Um, I don't know when we are going to get to basketball because there's so yeah. much to talk about besides that. But what, what you dislike uh, the most about... I, j j j just to finish this punishment topic, I just found a precedent uh, from the previous years. There was, if you remember, there was a huge fight in 2018 between Australia and Philippines. Yes. Uh, Ton Maker was uh, involved, Chris Golding, uh, Daniel Kickert, and... These were kind of, you know, serious punishments. But of course, this was different kind of fight. It was the real fight. They were fighting, real but they were fighting on a court in front of the cameras. Yeah. So we could see everything. Yeah, so Kickert got five game suspension, Maker three games, and Chris Golden, Golding was suspended for one game. But if that was an assault, I mean, in the locker room, intentional assault, I would say. We're talking These about guys a, we're talking about a from the criminal offense. Then, exactly, in, in exactly. Case, like. And it's it's bad. It's just not a real men's fight on the court, but it's it's something bigger. So it goes beyond the everything, you know, all the rational thing thinking. So they should be banned. But of course, let's wait for the footage. That's that's what we are waiting the most. FIBA is still uh, they're silent, right? We Have just you, received. Was there a statement? Uh, just an official statement from FIBA officers of our okay. chat, which said that. FIBA is currently investigating the incident yeah. and incidents in the mentioned game in Tbilisi, and they will make a statement after establishing all the fact, uh, facts, hopefully very soon. Okay. Yeah, so... So we want to talk about the game. What do you dislike the most about Turkish national team so far? Because so far they're not impressive. Um, I don't like that Shane Larkin is just standing there in a the corner for, for three possessions in a row, for example. Some other guy is playing the pick and roll with, with a big, and Larkin is just standing there. And it's unacceptable to see Shane Larkin shooting two or three field goals in the first half of the game. Shane Larkin is probably in the top three of EuroLeague players right now. He's playing for the same coach. He's averaging almost 20 points in EuroLeague. How come he's Suddenly, so, so yeah. inefficient in the Eurobasket? And how, I mean, at least in the game against Georgia, he had the ball in his hands more often. But I want to see Shane Larkin taking much more shots. He's involving his teammates, but that's not what he, where he's at his best. Like in Anadolu Efes. Mitzig has to be the guy who who puts the players in the right positions. And Larkin is, is is a pure scorer. He gets the screen, he shoots the ball to the basket. That's very simple. And Shane Larkin probably can see from his body language doesn't really feel himself in in this tournament so far. So that's one thing. The other thing he he he, he played forty nine minutes against Georgia. Yeah, from. And how many? 50 how, many, how many field goals? Fourteen. And for example, so fourteen field goals from Shane Larkin in forty-nine. Exactly. Minutes. And in for example, in the Euroleague, in thirty-two minutes on average, he attempts almost eleven shots. Yeah. So this is and he has ridiculous. 
so, so many options in FS. Like, yeah, Vasily you, Misic you're is surrounded there, you know, by all these talented yeah. players. I'm not saying they are. They don't have talent in Turkey. They have Osman. They have Korkmaz. And the other thing I don't really like, and it looks very bad on the court, is those big lineups when when, when you put Shengun and Shanli together, for example, or Osmani. Um, on defense, it just doesn't work. Other teams are, are attacking Shanli every single oh, time and Shangun as well and Shangun as well, as well. And, as well. and you're playing with these two bigs I know they don't have a pure stretch four like they used to have in in Ilyasova but you can easily play Osman as 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 the fourth player as as the power forward in in this case because hmm. if you look at the group they don't really Face too many big bodies. Okay, Georgia was bodies. different. Georgia yeah, was different. Right? A lot of huge but against mans. all the others, I can easily see Chedi Osman being a really physical, tough player, yeah. covering the fourth position because it's not a problem. And, and look at teams like Italy or Croatia, for example. We are playing without without, without like pure power forward, yeah. unless Sabonis is on the court, but yeah. Kuzminskas yeah. steps up and and he just covers those minutes. So. Uh, I don't like these big lineups. They are not working on defense, and I don't like how Shane Larkin is used so far in this system. And maybe Ergin Ataman has a good approach for EuroLeague. He builds the team, he, he, he chooses the players. Um, they're playing their free basketball, free flowing basketball. But from what I've seen so far, maybe that's not the way to go in, in, in the international stage in FIBA because you're still limited in the Turkish team they have good players in some positions but they have average players in in many other positions and like you're building your team around four key players but at the same time you need to make some decisions how to put them in their best positions and how to rotate the team Mm. that the second unit, for example, wouldn't suffer. And what Ataman does, it seems to me, he just wants to have his best players on the court all the time, but not necessarily in their best positions. That's that's my opinion. Yeah, on top of that, they're missing shots. Uh, for example, the last game against Georgia, they really created a lot of okay shots, I would say, but they were just missing. I think that they were just 7 of 33, either it's Larkin, J.D. Osman, or Meli, Momotoglu. I mean, they were missing good shots, and their general three-point accuracy is only 30%. And this is offensive-oriented team, and defensively, they, they can get easily exposed. So they cannot afford having this percentage, and of course, having Shane Larkin just being on the corner and watching how the other guys play. I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's really hard for this group to find chemistry, because Shengun he can play with the ball, Jedi Osman can play with the ball, Larkin should play with the ball, there is Korkmaz as well, so maybe it's just a matter of building this right chemistry, but so far we were just too confident with putting them in our power rankings in the fifth position. <laughs> and again, so far there's no way they are top eight team, I would say. And again, they could win their group even with yeah. the quality of basketball they're playing. But, That's the sad part. But in this case, I don't see them beating Germany, I don't see them beating France, I don't see yeah, them beating Lithuania. Slovenia, I don't so see sure. them beating Lithuania, and I'm not so sure about Bosnia and Herzegovina if, if, if they will qualify. So it's hard to see Turkey going to the semifinals with that quality. They have to improve and, and improve quickly. Let's see how this situation will affect them, because, yeah. you know, uh, I've talked with 
colleagues from Turkey and they said that this team is just too soft so far. Defensively, defensively, mentally, they're just not on that level. But I mean, this situation might, you know, unite uh, the team, especially when they're still going to play these two games in, in Tbilisi. So we'll see. Maybe it will be the turning point mentally because there's enough talent to create something. Yes. But mentally, physically, maybe they will change their approach. So they still have time, but it's time to play. It's Belgium and Spain. So it's going to be interesting to to follow them in the end of the, this group. Uh, we can go to the best group. So far, here in Cologne, we have this great privilege of enjoying the huge, huge, biggest fan base. Uh, it's sold out every day. Almost every day, yeah. 18, I mean, every people. day, but not in every game. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's Like true. Hungary, France, obviously, is not a sold out. But when you have on the same day, uh, Lithuania, Germany, uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Slovenia, the gym is almost full all the time. And after the game, Lithuania-Germany game, everybody was just talking about that missed uh, free throw that refs didn't uh, give to Lithuanians after a technical foul. But probably we have to emphasize one thing. Yeah. Lithuania didn't lose that game because of that free throw. Oh, no, no, no. One point is huge considering the fact that it was a double overtime. But you still win. need to take that point. One thing. At, at, yeah, because, for example, Jonas Valanciunas, who is a decent free-throw shooter, he missed both in that particular situation. Yeah. Well, for the technical, probably Grigonis would be uh, shooting, but probably. whatever. But still. It doesn't matter right now. Yeah, and it was the play which happened at the end of the third quarter. Yes. So, you know, reading all these headlines and the whole protest thing, it was just more of a, uh, let's say, procedure uh, just to apply uh, some things just to address some problems that Lithuanians faced uh, in, in, this, in this game because of the referees and the way they couldn't control the game. Because even probably the worst part of the situation was that refs really tried to correct their mistake in the end oh. of the regulation. And it was on footage. They approached the German national team coaching staff. It was, I think, that like 10 seconds left? The, Seven. The game was tied. Seven seconds left. The game was tied, and they wanted to say that, hey, guys, we missed that free throw, and we'll send them to the free throw line, you and know, to make that one shot. Yeah, you have the last possession. Still, you can win the game, yeah. but you're going to be down by one instead of, of having a tie game and possibly going to overtime. So thank God for Germany team. Um, they, you know, they were not happy with that. They expressed their... Uh, uh, disappointment, disagreement uh, with the situation, and let's see. According to Lithuanian uh, coaching staff, referees were too afraid of you know putting this uh, situation in let's say circus because it, it, it was a circus from... already. I mean, and and you cannot when you make a critical mistake, the worst thing you can do is try to fix things by making another critical mistake. It it, it is utterly ridiculous to try and give a free throw in the end of the fourth quarter because something happened in the end of the third quarter. Mm. Worst case scenario, you can do this if it goes to overtime, give them the free throw in the beginning of the overtime before the tip-off. But even that is utterly ridiculous and unacceptable. Actually, our, our colleague uh, had the interview uh, with the longtime uh, referee in Lithuania and he said that it's, it's just makes... It doesn't make any sense that you should try to put this, you know, free throw before the end of the game because, according to rules, if you want to correct some mistake, it's possible just until the 
next situation when the points are scored. Although we had some crazy situations, like in Lithuania, I remember our colleague Jonas Lakshas was commenting Lithuanian Basketball League game. It was Jalgiris Alitos Dukia. In the third quarter, uh, referees or the um, table, uh, they forgot, uh, officials table, they forgot to add two points for Jalgiris probably. And just in the end of the fourth quarter, they kind of noticed it and they decided, you know, to add these two points, although it was a close game. But okay, at least these these points were scored, so it kind of it was not that bad. But in this situation, it was just ridiculous, and it was confirmed by the this experienced referee. And at the same time, it just showed how lost referees were in that game. And the problem is that these refs, at least on FIBA Champions League level, they are good because I really forgot the name of the head of the uh, official. This was the official from. Italy, just Italy. one second. Yeah, and he, I think that he officiated in the last two BCL uh, finals. The Polish referees who were, it's Manuel Mazzoni, the Polish referees, at least Wojciech Liska, I think, he was also part of, you know, the top games in this competition. And, you know, for FIBA, it's like prestigious referees look, doing silly mistakes. Look, man, I don't care where they ref refereed before in the past. These referees, together with the table officials and the commissioner of the game, have to pack their bags and go home. Yeah, that's that's over. The tournament, tournament is over for you guys. It's over. You fucked up badly. That's it. Like I remember, you're giving examples. I can give you ex a great example from the biggest stage possible, the FIFA World Cup. The referee in 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 the game, at, I think it was Croatia. I don't remember the opponent. Maybe Brazil forgot that he already showed two yellow cards mm. to Josip Šimunić, the defender, and then he showed him the third yellow card and sent him away. But the referee immediately realized that that's the biggest mistake of my career. The World Cup for me is over. I will go home. I will be punished because of this, because uh, the whole world saw my mistake. Now the whole basketball community saw what happened in this game and actually during the game i thought to myself first of all well i said on the tv broadcast that there's a technical foul we're going to have free free throws right mm. now and then i see that the players are gathering for a rebound and valentunas is at the line so i just said my bad probably maybe, made a mistake. A maybe, yeah. maybe it was just a warning about the technical because and, we, we, and i saw on the yeah. box score it, it's it, it, but now I mean it's written that yeah. Gordy Herbert, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. head coach of Germany, got a technical foul, and then I said like maybe there's a mistake on the box score, so uh, I apologize for my words. I, I really saw the referee giving a technical, but mm. maybe I was wrong. Yeah. But then after watching all the footage, all the replays, it's clear that the refs gave the te yeah. technical, gave the T. They went to the table officials. They they showed all yeah. these uh, movements that there's a technical and there's a foul shooting foul against Jonas Valanciunas. So that's the first time in my life I've seen something like that. It's it's horrible. I've never seen it in in, in any Euroleague game. Nothing even close to that in the NBA or even in our Lithuanian basketball league. Our mm. referees are pretty solid, actually. Mm. We have to say that. So I don't care what they did in which bcl final yeah. fours they were working that's it i don't want to see them in this euro basket anymore it, it, i mean it just says that fiba had their 
let's say highest quality referees in facing this you know war with the Euroleague and that's the problem which I want to address that I mean it doesn't make any sense to me that we still don't have the best referees in the Europe which are in Europe which are working in the Euroleague yeah. and we have Euroleague coaches coaching national team I told this Ataman our coaches Max Vitas we have Euroleague players playing on the national teams why the hell we don't have Euroleague referees the best referees I know their argument mm. I know their argument you know what their argument is the Euroleague referees during the season don't work under the same rules because the Euroleague rules yeah, are a little bit different from FIBA. So can you imagine how hard it would be for... And uh, how bad Euroleague the, is that they're creating their own play uh, rules book. But the thing right. is that these, the same referees, they're working in domestic leagues and they work according to FIBA yes, rules. But you know, if, if, if an elite referee, like for example, our own Gitis Villas, would be called up for for the Eurobasket. He probably wouldn't know the rules, right? No, there's no because these guys <laughs> they know the rules. They know the rules. You know the worst part is that they, actually they're inventing rules during the game. From exactly. what we're seeing, the worst part is that this was the second time in this group actually because of this technical foul and the free throw missed. My colleague from from Montenegro, Edim, he he sent me the evidence that they missed the same situation in the game between Bosnia and Germany. Then. At least in this group, I didn't have an opportunity to follow close level games. But if you remember the situations where Dennis Schroeder, Schroeder uh, he likes to take the ball in the middle yes. of the court when they yes. out outbound the to ball. Save some time. I think twice he had this uh, eight second violation. Even he didn't touch the ball. But from, they started the clock. Yeah, but they started the clock. So he touched the ball. The uh, clock is already running down, and it's the eight-second uh, violation. Look, it just those are schoolboy mistakes. How in the world can this happen on the biggest stage of European basketball? I mean, I can accept an honest mistake from the referee, a missed call, a yeah, bad yeah. call about the, the, the out of bounds yeah. play, a, a bad call giving a personal foul to somebody missing some contact under the rim it happens all the time i can accept that yeah but these things this is not just a mistake it's, it's just massive incompetence yeah and that cannot be tolerated and i can tolerate mistakes i can tolerate some questionable calls i cannot tolerate things like that and i cannot remember the last competition uh i can't remember such a huge contrast between the talent we yeah. have on the court uh between the i can remember easily high 2019 level. china it was the same basically it was the same yeah we were having like australia france oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, elite nba players on the court and some random refs rugby <laughs> playing according to rugby <laughs> rules and these missed missed calls on rudy gobert oh. but i mean it's just crazy that we have this huge contrast be between the level we have on the court yeah. and what's going you know in terms of controlling the game so thanks to them our podcast probably for the first time is not so much about basketball <laughs> but about referees table officials commissioners and, That's and FIBA but do you want to talk about basketball a little bit like we have to talk about Lithuania, basketball. Germany the game amazing of the tournament game. so far amazing game and in Slovenia against Bosnia and Herzegovina another crazy game from yesterday so if you want to talk about Lithuania Germany hey everyone hey fans Pagas all here Courtside 1891 is your home to stream Eurobasket 
Do you remember what I said about Franz Wagner? Oh, I, rem like, I remember. Like I said, he does all the right things and his fundamentals are so strong. We already his basketball IQ is so strong and he doesn't have any weak spots. Yeah. So what did we see yesterday? How many points did he score because of his off-ball movement? Like 12 or 14, our players just couldn't catch him. How many points did he score after, after pick and rolls, just shooting frees? I think it was like a couple of very deep three-pointers that he hit, like Luka Doncic range or Damian Lillard. How many points did he score driving to the paints? Also, a lot. He did everything. And our coach, Max Vitus, just tried like three or four different people against Franz Wagner. And this was the most Dirk Nowitzki performance mm. in the German That's true. team Although jersey. he doesn't like that comparison, but that was true. Well, he's not really similar to Dirk in, yeah. in terms of his style, like but, he brought his but inner in terms Dirk. of dominating the game by scoring, it was as close as it gets. And on the other side, we had Jonas Valanciunas. Germans just didn't have enough bodies to face him. He was a monster. It was a monster performance from Valenciunas. And you cannot just say that, oh, there were so many mismatches. Yeah. No, it's not only that. You, you always have some mismatches, but it's about your aggressiveness, your ability to attack the rim, your ability to hit free throws. He hit 14 from 17. I think any center in the world mm. would be jealous for these numbers. 14 rebounds, also, five assists. Uh, just off topic, do you realize that Rudy Gobert is in, on a hot free throw shooting streak? No. He's supposed to be the center that misses all the free throws, but uh -huh. he hit like six from six against Lithuania or four from four, uh -huh. and those two clutch free throws to close the game. Yeah. And he was perfect against Hungary, but his tournament started with an air ball. Uh -huh. Okay. It's yeah. strange, like. Rudy Gobert all of a sudden is a 100% free throw shooter. <laughs> but anyway, Man. getting back to the Lithuania-Germany game, wh wh what is your take? I mean, we were frustrated about the loss. We we expected to win this game. We were so close. But I just think that we're just the best winless game in the Eurobasket that still can actually fight even for the medal. I mean, Bosnia, of course, they kind of ruined this uh, perfect bracket for Lithuania. If we finish fourth... In the next, in the eight finals, we would face, now it's Montenegro and Belgium in yeah. the conversation, but okay, let's say Turkey and Spain, and they're playing in convincible basketball. In the next stage, in quarterfinals, it should be then between Ukraine, Italy, and Croatia. So yeah. if the game Lithuanians are uh, showing on the court, they're, they're playing actually good basketball. They're just missing luck and some better I don't know decisions if it's luck, in crunch man. time. We we just don't show that winner's mentality. We're playing good basketball for three and a half quarters, but during those clutch moments, I think uh, we, we are killed there by was a lot of We are killed luck by Wagner. involved in the game against Germany. Against Germany, These close yes. shots. The ball was just running. But we out were of down by five, and 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 it seemed like almost hopeless in the end of the fourth yeah. quarter. And thanks to that missed free throw and offensive rebound by Brasdekis, we managed to squeeze an overtime but i cannot just say i cannot put it down only no, it's to not luck. only about luck yeah it's not only but, I mean, about they, but they're playing so good that they put the, the, in themselves in the position where e they could easily be not a 0-3 but 3-0 yes, team in this tournament for sure and so the quality is here i was not heard about the loss against slovenia it made sense to me i think slovenia was the better team that night 
But I'm not even heard about the loss against Germany because Germany arguably was a better team. But the game against, against France, France oh, that, yes. I feel bad we for just that game. Gave it to them exactly. Like so many turnovers, and bad passes, and and watching French team playing in this tournament. Tournament so I mean, far, they're not. Great, I cannot say that they're better team. They are not great so far, but they're they're, they're going to the knockout stage, and we. Uh, who knows if we're going there? We're now depending on France to win against Bosnia and Herzegovina. But still, about Germany. Do you think that Mahodolo should really go to some elite Euroleague teams? Like, man, how long is he going to play in Alba Berlin? Man, he's happy there. He's coming, you know, from a good family. He's not chasing some money. But uh, he made such a huge improvement. I mean, okay, you can be sorted in terms of money. But do you want to like try and win the Euroleague? Do you have that ambition? Because how? But it's do, so do, weird that he made made this breakout at the age of twenty nine. I mean, this whole season mm. was amazing. He he was probably the most improved Euroleague player compared yeah. to the last year. He was averaging like eight points. Now he was like 15, 16 point player in this Eurobasket. As I said before, he's just cooking. Look, he's winning I mean, games for Germany. Do, do you remember the sequence when Echodas was our center? He was switching all. And and he was facing Maudolo. I mean, Echodas did what he can, but Maudolo had so much confidence taking those two free pointers. I would say two daggers. It's not like they decided the game, we still had a chance, but those shots were crucial. The Dennis Schroeder did what he does usually. You can expect mm -hmm. things like that from him. He's inconsistent, but sometimes he can yeah. just explode. Which At the is, right moment. That, that's what yeah. he did in the overtime. But Maudolo. Like so far, he's having a great tournament. He had an amazing Euroleague season. His handles are sick. Like sometimes he reminds me of Allen Iverson the way he does the mm. crossover. So I would like to see him really in in one Real of Madrid, the for example, elite Euroleague teams. They need why, why not? Why not? Strong backcourt player to help them a lot. The and funny thing some is, some players that are late bloomers, and probably Maudolo playing his best basketball at the age of twenty nine mm. when he's matured. Is, he always had these skills. One of the examples. You know, yeah, he was but just he didn't have the some... consistency. Yeah. He had the skills, he didn't have the consistency. Now he has confidence, he's consistent. He looks like the NBA player actually playing on this team. And, you know, the funny thing is, the crazy thing is that I heard that maybe during the last season or in the end of the season, Jalgiris Konos was even looking at ways maybe to take Maudolo from Alba and maybe he was about to go out from his contract with, with Berlin. So you can only imagine what mm. kind of talent Jalgiris mm. would, would have had if the things went uh, on, on yeah. you know, their... And Germany is stopping the group right now. They're top of the group because Slovenia lost. And they should... They actually deserve to win this group. So I far, mean, so far, they're playing yeah, more I, consistent basketball. It, they're playing. It's, it's beautiful not a given they will Slovenia. win the group because it's possible that they face Slovenia yeah. and and they will face Slovenia. So they will face Slovenia, and it's possible that they will lose. And it, on on head to head comparison, they will be second in that case. Mm. And France can still mix things up a little bit if they continue winning. They're also going to play Slovenia in in the last game, I think. Yes. So, really, a great it's game, a great um, group, and. Bosnia. Despite of refereeing, Lithuania Germany was was the game of the tournament so far for me. Do you expect that France can decide just to leave us out of the playoffs by doing some math games? Well, it wouldn't be their intention because to. Sometimes team do these. I know things. in FIBA competitions, which is why I'm thinking, why don't you just make everything? Uh, 
based yeah. on, on on draw yeah bring this idea because before in one of the our recent podcasts before that pod, particular podcast you mentioned a good idea how we should make this playoff stage yeah just let's more av- fair avoid all these yeah all these mathematicians mm. who want to count how they can these go to the semi- semi-finals so so we have four groups of six right four teams out of six qualify that's fine the system works but then why do you need to make this bracket that you already know the path mm-hmm. through which you're gonna go just continue drawing the teams just put them in the, in part one part two part i mean part one faces part four part two faces part three so you wouldn't know your opponent you you wouldn't be able to choose because right now france is in a position to choose mm-hmm. what they want to do and the intention for them is obviously not to hurt Lithuania, but just to choose yeah. the better path for themselves. And I'm not saying they, they will lose on purpose tomorrow, but you might see like Vincent Collet giving extended minutes to Theo Maladon or, and or, or Elio Kobo. Them, and you, you know, might see this way. Evan Fournier resting a little bit more on the bench. And Bosnia is super mo- motivated right now. After yesterday's win, I think they're going to go there with fighters mentality. Mm-hmm. This is a huge game, and for they're them. even improving their game because they didn't have any preparation. Just two games away in the tournament were, in Estonia, like, so they're when, just still when, clicking and building the team. When we're talking about Turkey threatening to leave the tournament, do you remember that Bosnia and Herzegovina was threatening to not arrive to the tournament? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> that, it was not that even was a threat. It was just a situation they, said, we, don't they were ha- look, in. we don't have any money. Yeah, exactly. not, what, do you, what do you expect us yeah. to go there by bus? And now they're here. <laughs> And they're playing good basketball. Yeah, one foot away from making the playoffs so, and beating Slovenia, European champions. Yeah, yeah. And, and in that case, two games for Lithuania would be meaningless. So it would no, be very, I, very I, sad. No, I just, I just really hope that you know, in Lithuania, we already have these concerns about France and the, the way they might play the rest of the tournament and uh, the group stage because it makes sense for them the way they play. Uh, it makes sense for them to choose this path. Uh, to the playoffs, uh, through the playoffs, uh, being fourth seed, uh, finishing the group stage as the fourth seed. But I just think that their focus should be improving the game. And you can improve the game only if you play your best players and if you try to find good lineups, thinking about long-term big goals. And we put France in our top four in the rankings. Yes. And I think that France in all of uh, our rankings made the top two, actually. So I think that thinking about the long-term goal, having players like Evan Fournier, who is a very uh, great person, true war, I don't, I, I just hope, and I think, I believe, I truly believe that there won't be that conversation that, hey, maybe let's try to play Theo Maladon well, more. You or, better be there tomorrow with, I don't know, some French uh, merchandise and singing the national anthem. You, you have some time yeah. to learn the lyrics. Yeah, it's amazing, national anthem, and by the way. So One of the best. So I would be glad to learn lyrics. Just be there and try to... Oh, there will be try enough to, Lithuanian to support, fans I know supporting that. France. It's a funny thing because usually Lithuanian fans don't really love those big basketball powerhouses like Spain or, or France because they're one of our rivals but in this case we have to depend on them right and anyway how shocked were you about Bosnians b- winning the Balkan derby uh I don't know if I mentioned it on the previous podcast but when I saw them playing against France in the World Cup qualifiers I was fascinated about this team 
Nurkic, Musa, Robertson, when he got he gets got uh, hot and he got hot actually yesterday, mm-hmm. they can be amazing team and they were an amazing team against France in many stretches. But at the same time, I remember that they went from up, being up by 18 to down by 12, something like that, in just something more than one quarter. So this is wild and unpredictable team and i thought that they might make some surprises but against slovenia I didn't as you mentioned think, i didn't ball, think it was possible in a balkan derby playing against luka especially when they showed up in the game against hungary i mean just as Sekulic, uh, coach Sekulic said that the reason why i love luka so much that he doesn't mm, he doesn't care if it's the game against hungary or the eurobasket final is the same approach and he will bring all of his talent on the court but the game against Bosnia was was weird, and I, I, I what surprised me was also uh, the reaction in the post game media sessions. Like at least our colleagues from Slovenia told that, for example, Goran, Goran Dragic was asked, "Goran, why you didn't play in the second quarter?" That let's uh, let's let's make a uh, let's make the coach this question. Then uh, Clement Prepelic, he's saying uh, we. Uh, we weren't prepared for the game mentally and tactically. So I was a bit surprised, you know, by this, like, uh, you know. Almost crit- criticizing your own coach, right? Sending some messages to your coaching staff. You oh. know, something is going on. I, I saw the footage of Luca being angry uh, on his teammates and on the last uh, minute of the game that he told with this uh, shitty approach and performance. Uh, we're thinking about the finals. Well, what the hell, guys? I mean, it's it's not about that. So... Well, first of all, to I make know. things clear, there was no defense in that game. And Bosnia, they they have a lot of talent. They're winning through talent, but they're not good on defense. And Yusuf Nurkic is, is similar to Jonas Valanciunas in that type of being the center that the other teams always want to attack through pick and rolls. And they have a lot of problems covering the pick and roll, which is where I see any other team also getting a lot of points against Bosnia and Herzegovina. So they the way for them to win in a, in a basketball game at this level is to expect Janan Musa to play his best basketball, to have Yusuf well. Nurkic out of foul trouble and just yeah. scoring a lot of points from the paint and also from the three-point range, which he's capable of doing. And also you need Robertson to be hot. So it's, it's hard to see them like going very far, but the quarterfinal is manageable. Mm. And that would be huge for Bosnia and Herzegovina. Mm. And we'll see what happens tomorrow anyways. But the, the fact that they beat Slovenia is s- surprising. Mm. I also thought that they might snatch one win from the big four. Mm-hmm. Germany, Lithuania, France, Slovenia. But I just said, well, not against Slovenia, yeah. but the other three teams. All of a sudden, this happens. And do you think that actually Lucas poor shooting is becoming a problem. I mean, three-point shooting. I f- because the step back is not working. Yeah. Only against Hungary, it's when they were up by 20, he hit like three in a row and he was very happy. Mm-hmm. But 0 from 8 against Bosnia yesterday, 1 from 8 against Lithuania. He was only 34, 35 three-point shooter in yeah. the NBA last year. Do you think it's hurting the team a little bit? I mean, he's doing all the other things. Yeah. Of course, it's not usual. helping, especially if they play those close games. Yeah, he has to make at least half of these shots. I mean, I mean, at least thirty-three percent of these shots. Of course, it's 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 hurting them, and especially when he's taking such a huge uh, uh, load offensively. Mm-hmm. Because when the game goes down the line, he's not passing the ball. He wants to decide it uh, by himself. Of course, it's hurting them. So if he's not f- hitting his free throws consistently and the step back isn't working, 
Well, he's giving something to the opposing team. If they can live with his step back mm-hmm. and if he's driving, they can foul him. And that's him. what Lithuania did, actually. Yeah. They yeah. easily switch so, with Jonas Valanciunas, who has so, no chances playing one-on-one when he, he, yeah. the guard penetrates. But he decided to take all these three-pointers. So in the scoring department so far, it's not a particularly good tournament for a player like Luka Doncic. Mm. I mean, for, for just any other player, the, the, the score, yeah. uh, the average of 18 points, what he's averaging right now would be great. But mm. for him, you might expect a little bit more. Anyway, I, for Slovenia... I, I, I just wondered if he was really fatigued as the coach of Boston national team told. But because... You can find some points. I mean, right points. I mean, it was the third game in four days. Luka Doncic is not the most, let's say, best physically prepared players we have in the tournament. He's playing a lot of minutes. He's getting a lot of defensive uh, pressure. It's, you know, you cannot compare it with the NBA defense. It's it's way more intensive here Mm -hmm. because every game matters. Uh, So maybe it also could play some role and it won't get easier during the tournament he didn't get tired against hungary for example he played oh, like yeah, that's 19 true. minutes he so played 19 minutes save some energy now it's a day off uh it the, the loss itself doesn't really hurt slovenia that much it hurts lithuania actually because it puts bosnia and herzegovina in the picture for the fourth or, or even the third seed so group b is crazy but i think we should finish on a more positive note yeah i really want to talk about uh Giannis. What are your thoughts about Yanis? They they had two games against Croatia and Italy, both wins. Yeah, uh, those were hard wins actually because uh, like Croatia made a comeback. Italy was also both teams made a comeback. I mean, they, they had teams. a solid yeah. lead, but yes, uh, they yes. had to play but the game. But that's okay. The the... It's not like Italy and Croatia are some pushovers. Mm. They, they're they're good teams with quality players like Hezonja, Zubas. Boyan Bogdanovic and on Italian side. Mm. Well, Nico Manuel didn't have a good game, but players like Fontecchio, Melli, you're, you're always expecting good things from them. But I'm really falling in love with this uh, Greek national team. Yanis uh-huh. Antetokounmpo finally figured out how to play in FIBA rules. Uh, in the first game, their, first, their, their opener was against Croatia. The start was difficult. Again, you saw those same things. He's just trying to take some three pointer, random three pointers, going to the paint. There's a lot of bodies there. Mm, the defense is just building a wall uh, from Yanis. But the game is long and he doesn't panic. He gets his numbers anyway. And the impact he has on the game is huge. Like he made so many spectacular plays already. And the player that actually unlocks the offense for Greece, because they have problems with spacing when yeah. you're playing with. Kaleidas, Yanis, uh, and maybe Tanasis uh, also in the court. Tyler Dorsey unlocks the offense. Mm. His shooting numbers are crazy, spectacular, amazing. 11 so far. of 19 three pointers so far. And he makes life so much easier for Yanis. So and Tyler Dorsey is such a big piece, such a boost, important piece boost for, this, for, this for, for this team. And the the fact that he decided to play for Greece this summer is is just huge, huge relief for Dimitri. Dimitri, it makes everything a lot easier. And on defense, you know what they can do. We were talking about this a lot uh, before the Eurobasket, but it's nice to see them playing because now you see some flow. in In 2019, in the FIBA World Cup, there was no flow. Yanis was just forcing things. Mm. Right now, 
it's good team basketball role players like agravanis playing in their positions they know what they need to do you have a spot of shot you need to hit it he does it so yeah so and so so far probably greece is and germany also the two of the most exciting teams in the tournament yeah we couldn't follow all the teams but also from what i saw love from what i saw about greece because what i also loved about jan is that he doesn't need to play play the hero ball you know, on the crunch time, for example, Tyler Dorsey was go-to guy of Greek national team, uh, for example, in the game uh, against Italy when he made those two clutch three-pointers. He's averaging 25 points per game. And the other guys, I mean, the good thing is that uh, Greece beat two strongest opponents yeah. of their group in a pretty solid way. They have this privilege to wait for all the injured players they had to get into their own ry rhythm. For example, Papayanis, yes. which is an important piece in their game. Uh, Papa Petro uh, as well. Uh, so now they will probably in, they're in the most privileged situation oh, yes. where, where they can do these adjustments. Uh, all Serbians you know. are in a similar situation because they yeah. don't have a strong But sometimes there. you need some competition and Greeks had yes. a competition. Yes, they already had it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right now, like they're playing Great Brit Britain, you can just play Yanis for 18 minutes. You can easily win against yeah, Great Britain, yeah. saving some energy. So he, they will stay fresh and they will, you know, wait for their best players to return you, in their best shape. So it, they're they're good. They're good. Do you remember uh, the fast break uh, when Yanis picked up the ball in the middle of the court and he went straight to Boyan Bogdanovic and oh, yes. finished with contact, falling on the floor with an end one? The body strength that this man possesses is, is really unseen. Like uh -huh. he's, he is really the Greek freak. There's no other. There are no other words to describe his body strength. Like how is it possible to be that strong? And how much space he uses on the floor, and it like it seems like it takes three steps for him to go from the middle of the court to a dunk. For yeah. example, the way he dunks over two people, there's nothing impossible for this player. And it's just pure pleasure to watch these guys live. For example, Luka Doncic, I'm watching him against Hungary, making these logo three-pointers, these no-look lobs after nutmegging your opponent. And I'm like, I don't really know how many years it will take to see something bigger than that, actually. Because we're watching the, I mean, not just best, the most exciting players yeah. in the international basketball so well, it just berlin is gonna be great like oh yes whether lithuania is there or not we, Col we, cologne is already awesome berlin but we will see all the biggest stars uh, because right now serbia for example i think they're playing on some economic regime mm. like they don't need to waste too much energy for this group it's it, everything is just too easy for them greece as you said Two games were tough, but now they're facing much weaker opponents. Yeah, so I really just wanted to finish talking about something positive because yeah. we had like... Oh my God, I have something negative minute, for uh, the we end. Had, we had a 30-minute discussion about everything that's going wrong. I had something <laughs> negative for the end. So I say it and it I will finish the... on another positive thing. Okay, let's do this. So if, if we're blaming FIBA for everything, it's the that one podcast we should yes. do. And my main concern is why what really irritates me that neither Luka Doncic or Yanis Antetokounmpo did still didn't give any interview in any press conference oh, yes. or in the mix zone and I think it's just you know it's just a huge failure of FIBA because from what I've heard they're not obligated 
to talk to media unless it's right holders. And usually these sideline reporters, they can't have this short interview. But for me, it's so stupid not to have them talking to media because, I mean, we're just losing money and the attention to this for this tournament. I mm. mean, really, if, just a simple example. We had Shogunas Iskavishus and Jargiris, and I remember that Watching Jargiris' game, which was always high quality in the EuroLeague, and having Sharuna Sisikavichus in the press conference and listening to him and watching all these numbers he attracts by his speeches, these were like two events where you could easily sell tickets just to participate in that press conference of Sharuna Sisikavichus. The same it would be with Luka Doncic, Yanis Antetokounmpo, Nikola Jokic, you know, just giving their insights about the game, just... I'm not saying that they should do all these interviews before every game or to every journalist. No, just put him uh, uh, under the microphone after the win of Slovenia, for example, after the game uh, of Slovenia. Because, I mean, we are not as rich as football that we could afford just, you know, skipping all these star players, superstar players. Uh, yeah, they, they don't want to talk. So being yeah, on a don't, don't talk. spotlight. Right. It's Now it is like this. They don't want to talk. So Yanis didn't have any interview. There's this funny situation with Luka Doncic. After the first game against Lithuania, he was supposed to come to the official press conference, but it was Dirk's uh, retirement ceremony. So he, he, he was hurry. He didn't have time. So he went there and we had Goran Dragic. Then this is that amazing game against Hungary. He was spectacular. And we get this message on the WhatsApp chat that Jakob Lajic will participate in the press conference. Okay, he didn't receive any question in English. Then we have the game against Bosnia. I tried to stop Luka Doncic in the mix zone. And he says that uh, in the press conference, in the press conference. Suppose that it's supposed he's supposed to go to the press conference. Then I see the press officer of the Slovenian national team just doing bodyguard role, playing bodyguard role to Latko Chanchar. And I realized that Vladko Chanchar is the guy who will be in the press conference. And yeah, that that that's how it goes. So for me, it doesn't make any sense. I, I just think that FIBA says that, you know, they cannot, how to say, force players to talk to media, but I think it's a huge loss, loss attention-wise, popularity-wise. These, it's, it's such a pleasure to listen to these players. The impact they make is just incredible. The numbers they draw, uh, they get, it's just incredible. And, you know, we're just losing too much uh, working that way. I yeah, know. about media availability. Maybe I'm biased because I'm a media member, but I think it's it's I, it cannot be like that. I because can agree. Why in the NBA they do every pre-game and post-game stuff? And every time it's a huge event, especially after the game. Yeah, I can agree to you. agree with you that media availability is important, especially when we're talking about the biggest stars of, of, of basketball. But as I said, I want to finish on, yeah. on a positive note. Of course. I want to dominate your negativity. Let's go. <laughs> so there are two young guys uh, I love watching so far in this tournament. And they faced each other actually in a great game. It's Denny Avdia. Do you remember? I I, yeah. I didn't draft him, but then I picked him up from the waivers. Jana yeah. Musa wouldn't be a bad Jana pick, Musa, who but, was, but who was great. Denny Avdia is also performing very well in this tournament. And Lauri Markkanen also from the same group. I just love watching them both. Hmm. Their teams are not some of the elite teams in, in, in this competition, but these two players make their team so much better. Like Lauri Markkanen is a dominant force on offense and 
sometimes even you could say unstoppable because whether you throw big bodies at him or you throw some quicker but smaller players, he always finds a way to score. And Danny Avdia does everything for Israel. Absolutely everything. He creates, he scores, he defends. Uh, a, a great talent, really, and he's improving in, in the NBA. I think he had a very good season in Washington Wizards last year and maybe next season will be even better. Mm. So, as I said, I wanted to finish yeah. on a positive note. And my point is that not only big teams like Serbia, Greece, and oh, no. Slovenia are exciting. You can find excitement in other teams as well. Like. Oh, yeah. And especially, especially these young up-and-coming stars. Yes. I mean, yes. Franz Wagner, we're witnessing some real greatness. He's only 21 years old. He, I think he just turned 21 uh, mm. uh, 21 before the tournament. He's like some, you know, it's like watching him is like listening to Richard Strauss, like some <laughs> big, uh, you know, German composer. He's yeah. just like a composer of basketball. And he's just, you know, 21. Uh, the way I mean, he reads the game, you cannot believe that he's 21 years the old. The way he behaves, even after the game, I remember probably uh, it was after second win of Germany. I told that Hey guys, the way you play, the way you play defense, the way you put so much effort in defense and translate it into a fascinating transition game, the way you enjoy the, yourselves, you're so fun uh, team to watch. And he said, "Oh, thank you." <laughs> I mean, and he was so polite, so so involved. So he's not just a great nah, player, he, but a wonderful young man. He's so smart on the basketball court that sometimes you're thinking he's gonna invent a cure for cancer playing basketball. <laughs> yeah, could be. <laughs> yeah, so. Huge kudos to all these young guys delivering in this Eurobasket. Let's hope that these talents won't be overshadowed by the problems we already face yeah. in, in FIBA competition. Thanks a lot for listening to us. Please don't forget to subscribe our channel. And as uh, the head of video told Gitas Blaževičius, that by pressing like button, you're really helping us uh, to get a bigger audience and you're really helping us uh, to, co to grow as a podcast. So please uh, press this like button, subscribe us, and follow Eurobasket News on basketnews.com. See you soon, probably from Berlin. Thanks for watching.